Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 471 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Ryan LaVarnway. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, once again, the podfather, Bill Lack. How are you, Bill? It's 70 degrees here in Cincinnati, It's which is dream of opening day weather, but it's usually 40 degrees on opening day. So, you know, by this time next week, it'll be like freezing cold. That's right. So enjoy it now, right? That's right. Before the long, cold uh, summer. Begins. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, that's right. So this is, uh, you know, this is uh, the show we talk about the Reds. Before we go further, if you're watching on the YouTubes, hit that button, the like button, smash the subscribe button. There's a little bell as well. You can get the notifications. But if you're listening to the audio version, I don't understand why you wouldn't subscribe. You could have my dulcet tones delivered straight to your phone into your ears every single week or everywhere you find podcasts. Uh, Nate well, is not here today, Bill. Um, as you, we, we talked about last week on the show with, uh, with Carlos, Nate got himself married. So we've been in Puerto Rico uh, for his wedding, and it went wonderfully, and he's still gallivanting about the Caribbean, leaving all the hosting duties to me. Um, so screw him, essentially is what I'm saying. But uh, Puerto Rico, my, my. If he's in, the, if he's in the Caribbean, the heck with him. Exactly, and that's what he's saying about us too. <laughs> he's, yeah, sipping he, a, he's sipping a rub drink with his bride. Exactly. No, uh, beautiful. My first time in Puerto Rico, and let me tell you what was interesting about it is, uh, in the airport, uh, we flew into San Juan, and uh, on the right end, billboards everywhere advertising World Baseball Classic watch parties. I mean, you talk about excitement over the world baseball classic man they were i mean you, we see it all over the world different countries but we saw it firsthand in puerto rico and and nate happened to be down there he got there a couple of days before i did and he was in san juan during one of the 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 uh puerto rico uh games and uh, just it was he said it was I, he's never seen anything like it people are just in the sc- streets uh, screaming chanting and singing and he said it was amazing did you watch any of the the world baseball classic i watched a little bit when the united states was playing um I watched the semifinals. I watched a couple minutes of the finals. I didn't see a whole lot of it. I I, I do like your South Virginia Spanish accent for Puerto Rico. <laughs> El gringo. <laughs> um. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't try that in Puerto Rico, did you? I did not. I did not. <laughs> no. Um, so the, the World Baseball Classic, I said last week I couldn't get into it. Uh, really, I was having a difficult time getting into it. Well, I did watch the final uh, between the U.S. and Japan, and oh, my, that was fun. I wish they would uh, – we're not going to talk much about the World Baseball Classic, but, man, I wish they would figure out a way so that all the greatest players in the world can play, so that America had pitching, uh, you know, um, and they, they don't have it yet. Doing it right now in the spring is not the time to do it, but it's difficult to do it later as well, I understand. But, man, I wish – because it could be a really fun event if all the greatest players were playing. Because watch – you know, watch that final at bat, Otani versus Trout. I mean, that's – that's good stuff, and you like to see that. But well, uh, the semifinal between Cuba and, and, and Japan was an amazing oh. game, and in a, yeah, yeah. a, a walk off. I mean, you know what you can do. Right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe one of these days they'll get that uh, get that figured out. But it's going to be back in 2026, they say. Count your minutes. All right, this is the last episode before opening day. As always, we record these on Thursday night. And so next Thursday will be opening day of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, of course, we will have one episode of the uh, Late Night Reds, our live show on Sunday night. Um, but since this is the last one, I thought we would, uh, there's a number of uh, burning questions still 
at play for the Cincinnati Reds as the season starts. And so I thought we would address those questions by throwing open the uh, throwing open the uh, the mailbox and getting some questions from uh, our, our viewers and our friends both at Patreon.com slash RiverfrontCincy and at Twitter.com. And this is, this is the last week. This is the last week where we can have hope. No, no, not true. <laughs> not true. The Reds will be four and two after their first six games. That's my guarantee to you, the listening and or viewing. Are, uh, are you betting a are you betting a tattoo on this prediction? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, I'm okay. not betting. You're not that sure of this. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, if they go twenty and six, I'll get a tattoo. How about that? All right. <laughs> I don't think you got to worry about anything, but okay. No, I, there are some real concerns. There's some things I'm excited about. I'm very interested to see how certain players do. And so, uh, yeah, I thought we'd uh, throw open the mailbag as a way to address some of these questions and hopefully get around to everything that uh, we need to discuss. Before we get into all that, though, I do want to uh, ask you because we did we didn't get a question about this, but I'm so I'm going to ask the question. First question comes from Chad at Dotson C on the Twitters. Did you see Nick Crawl's comments on Joey Votto this week? And is it a controversy or a non-troversy? Yes, I did see them. And, and I think it's a non-troversy. I, I, I think it's Crawl saying what he should say is, is the GM of the Reds. Uh, I think there is no way in the world that Joey Votto plays for the Cincinnati Reds next year for $20 million. I think there's more of a chance that he gets traded so they don't have to pay the $7 million for him to walk off. The, what, the comments were uh, Nick Crawl, or Cincinnati Reds' general manager, Nick Crawl, basically said the plan is for Joey Votto to finish his career as a Red, but if they're out of it at the trade deadline, Votto came to him and asked if he, they would trade him home to Toronto. He said he would consider those under those circumstances. And so uh, some people, you know, because people like to outrage these days, got up in arms about him saying that. And I think he probably shouldn't have said it. But it's so harmless. It's, it's absolutely a non-troversy. We make fun of Nick Crawl talking all the time. Uh, I think I would have heard him just say, you know, we, we want him to finish his career as a Red. Um, and what he said was the truth, essentially. You know, I mean, he he wasn't lying to us. And I, I think maybe just for PR purposes, I wouldn't have added the part, but we would do that because we want because I, I would want to le- lean into. He's a team legend. We want him here forever. But you know, come on, yeah, if they. Well, the Bengals, and, and I don't know how this was brought to him. Was this a, was he addressing a question that was put to him? Yes, yes. Well, yes. I mean, you know, and and if he says we want him to be a red forever, well, then you're then you then the, the got the people that want to be upset are going to say, well, what about Joey's feelings? What if Joey wants to go to Toronto? <laughs> That's so true. There was no way to answer that question that you weren't going to piss off a, a fair const- amount of the constituency. <laughs> it's like politics. You can't say anything without somebody nope. screaming at you. Yeah, nope. it's like being on a school board, man. Oh yeah, no, no, thank you. All the time, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a complete non-troversy. I, I think there are three ways this goes for Joey Votto. I think probably it's 60-40-70-30, maybe eighty twenty, even or more. I don't know. Um, that Votto's last year with the Reds will be this year. I think if he plays well, I would not be surprised to see him be willing to renegotiate that buyout to, to stay in Cincinnati. Um, or I could see him wanting to go. It does mean something to him to play his entire career with the Reds. He said this a number of times. He said this one, the, the one time that I got a chance to interview him, he, he really cherishes that full career with one team. And so uh, I could see him renegotiate to stay with the team. Um, but um, he won't be here. You're right on the, the they're not going to pick up that option. 
uh, no matter how well he plays this year. And so he could be elsewhere. So I don't well, know. I mean, um, I wouldn't say no matter how well he plays. If he if he is an MVP kind of year. Well, that's true. They, they might think about picking it up. But I, even then, I would, be, you know, I see, like I said, I think there's a better chance of them trading him so they don't have to pay the $7 million than they do, you know, just because we know how this, how these ownership thinks. I mean, well, and that's what we've seen the last, yeah. I mean, they, they've been willing to cut bait and well, the Forbes um, list, the Forbes list came out today and yes. major league value went up 12% and the Reds spending went down how much? A thousand percent. Yeah. So a billion percent. Reds valued at $1.2 billion, essentially, uh, is the Reds franchise yeah. value. And um, so that what that tells me is the Reds should be able to put $1.2 billion into their um, payroll. Pay, payroll every year, right? That's how that works? Yeah, that's how it works. I think that's how it works, yeah. So well, come it, on, it, Castellini. It just, I mean, when you got a, a, an asset that's worth $1.2 billion and you're pre in poverty, I mean, it's just, it's just silly. I mean, it is, but I guess no need to relitigate that one today because... Yeah. Anyway, like I said, I I hope Joey has a, you know is, gets healthy and and I guess we'll talk about that later whether we think he's going to be ready for the start of the season because I don't think I've heard, there hasn't been any any final decision made yet I don't think on Joey. Uh, no. You know, nobody loves Joey more than we do here, and and but I'm I am not as bullish on his being successful this year as I think you and 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 Nate are. I think it's, I don't know if it's bullish and uh, maybe it's just, uh, optimism. Uh, you know, we optimism, wishful thinking. We love Joey. Yeah. We don't want to bet against Joey ever again. He's he, you know, every time you think he's down and out, he comes back strong. And, uh, so well, I just, yeah. I, I'm choosing the path of not doubting Joey Fado. I think Well, the other thing is if the reds are going to have any chance of being successful, Joey cannot be an anchor in the lineup. Oh, that's true. It, without, without right. question, that's true. But, um, I mean, there's 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 little chance they're going to be successful this year, and I'm not sure what successful is for this team. You know, is 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 500? Would that be successful for this? Oh goodness, team? yes, and yes, I, I think so. <laughs> yes. is, is 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 75 wins successful? I don't know. I think I think probably what that 75 and 87. Uh, so I think if you can avoid 90 losses, I think that's probably successful yeah. given the the constraints that we have here. We've also oh, both gosh. we've also both said that that there's no there's zero chance that David Bell finishes this season as manager. Um, or have you changed? Have you changed your position? You know, I, I have a, one of my patented unpredictable changes of heart uh, just about every day on every topic. So um, take what I say with a grain of salt. Ever, I would. I think he's going to end up being a scapegoat at some point to deflect uh, from ownership and management. Uh, so he'll, he'll be, if, if it starts to go really bad, it won't be his fault. It might be partially his fault, but it will not be primarily his fault uh, because he can only play the, the hand that he's dealt. But uh, yeah, I think there's a, again, I, if I, I would bet um, that by the end of the season, there's an interim manager. Yeah. So. I, I, and I'm not saying that David Bell is Joe Torrey, but Joe Torrey, was not a bad manager in Atlanta and a great manager with the Yankees. You know? right. <laughs> you're you're a lot better. You're a lot better a uh, poker player if you got uh, the two aces in the hole, right? <laughs> yeah, and then right. if you got uh, two and a seven offsuit. It's, and I think Sporky used to say that it's a lot easier to manage when you got Rose and Morgan and Bench. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. So, um, well, let's get to our burning questions here, if we could. But I, I, I guess actually, I'm gonna. 
<laughs> they are. We're hot. The Reds are red hot. I wish we had that uh, video looped up, uh, ready to play here. The Reds, Reds hot uh, video from 1990. Um. Again, I'm going to delay getting into the burning questions because I do have to welcome a new member of the uh, the Red Riverfront Cincy family. This is uh, Nathan Kane. Nathan, of course, just joined the family at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Welcome to, to the group, Nate. We were supposed to um, give you a shout out last week. I didn't do it because we had a different type of episode. Uh, we recorded a day early. And I thought, well, let's just wait and do it on our regular Thursday because of the wedding. And then I thought we were going to be able to Nate and I were planning to, to record a, uh, a a brief podcast in Puerto Rico, but it didn't happen because we were otherwise occupied. Mostly he was otherwise occupied. I was taking it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, I could have done it. I had plenty of time to do it. I'd sit down there and read, you know, uh, one book after the other. But Nathan, Nathan Kane. Uh, so Nathan, that's, you know, it's uh, the same name as our, uh, intrepid friend uh, Nate Dotson, and then Kane, the last name of the greatest soccer player in the world, Harry Kane. Okay. So, man, you are about, you have immediately become my favorite uh, member of the Riverfront family. Welcome. And uh, as always, we give you a position on the Beer League softball team. And so I, you are basically the uh, starting shortstop and the cleanup hitter because I just I love that name. So that's that's what I say. What do you think, Nathan Kane? What position do you have for me? I was thinking he was a really fast center fielder. Covered a lot of ground out there. Okay. I'm going I'm to have another one of my patented unpredictable changes of heart. He's Eric Davis in center field. There you go. Cleanup hitter can cover basically the entire outfit by himself. And uh, you can bat him lead off or clean up. That Eric works. Davis. I like it. All right. First question comes from Seth Shaner. Seth says the buzz around Red Spring Training 2023 has mostly been about guys who won't be in Cincinnati on March 30th. Is the excitement about Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft enough to help us overlook what could be a cringeworthy outfield situation? And then I'm going to take another question here because both these questions helps us get into a, a sort of a discussion of the final roster battles and the way this thing's going to, going to play out. Next question comes from Joey Gaditza, our friend from Canada. Does Brandon Williamson break camp as the fifth starter and give me one reason to be optimistic about Kevin Newman and Chad Pender because I'm finding it difficult? Well, that question's going to be, <laughs> I don't know, Joey, but let's talk a little bit about the roster and, uh, you know, uh, we'll start with sort of the way Seth framed it. Excitement about Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft? I'll say this. If you're not excited about uh, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft, where you been? Each of them in their last uh, start in spring training, most recent start in spring training, were dominant. Graham Ashcraft was <laughs> exactly Graham Ashcraft. Ten strikeouts and his uh, and uh, his slider just looked unbelievable. Um, and Green and Lodolo both looked incredible. Well. Lodolo had eight the other night, didn't he? Yeah, yes, yes, and just looked dominant. And I mean, I, yes, it's spring training, but still, we're getting to, close to the end where it's mostly uh, big leaguers playing, but. Um, well, those guys are talented, and they've shown some uh, some growth. And uh, let's just start with our excitement for the big three before we move on to anything else. How excited are you? Uh, very, very uh, well. And, and if you're going to be have any hope for the future of this franchise, you better be high. You better be high on these three guys because they're going to be the 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 stalwart, the, the the bedrock of any next reg, real good any any next better than average Reds team that comes down the pike in the next few years. Yeah, you know, I uh, have a piece that's coming out in uh, the the print edition of Cincinnati Magazine, sort of comparing what the uh, 
what the Bengals have done and how the Reds can, uh, you know, mimic what the Bengals have done. Um, and it's a stretch maybe, but go buy a copy when it gets on newsstands here soon. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I talked to uh, Mo Egger. I got, just asked him a couple questions for the piece. Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. And one of the things he said that I thought made a lot of sense was this. Um, it sort of correlates with what you just said, Bill, which is that if uh, you ask any team, if you're starting fresh and you can have those three as kind of your core pitching staff for the next few years, just about any team would take it. If, if you know, um, if you could build around those three. I mean, you, you do have to build around them. That's the point. And we'll see if the Reds actually get around to doing that. But there's no question whatsoever that that is a strong, strong trio of kids. And uh, I'm thrilled to see what happens to them. Well, and, them. And, and like you said about building, at least these three, we've already seen them have some success in the big leagues. Now, whether it's going to continue to elevate, we all hope it does. But the, the other kids that we're talking about, we haven't seen any success in the big leagues. Even the right. ones that have been up here for a little bit, Barrero and, and Steer, uh, you know, and I'm not putting India or Stevenson in that packet because they've been up here a couple of years. But right, no, thank you for that. You're exactly right. Um, it, this is not Ellie De La Cruz, who we all think has every opportunity to be a superstar. These guys have uh, have they been all star level in the big leagues? No, not yet. But they they were rookies, you know, essentially. And so, uh, but they have they have demonstrated on the big league level that they can not just do well, but that they can take a punch and come back, uh, you know, and learn and adjust. And so this why, that's why I'm thrilled yep. to see those. Now, the other part of that question is, uh, is it enough to help us overlook what could be a cringeworthy outfield situation? Um, before we talk about that outfield situation, I'm going to actually merge Joey's question here because we've talked about the big three starters. I want to talk about who the, who the last two are. Um, Joey said, does, does Brandon Williamson break camp as the fifth starter? Um, I'm concerned about the back end of this rotation. Now, no team, well, most teams aren't, don't have a great back end of the rotation, but the Reds are so thin. We found out this week that uh, Luke Weaver, who presumably was signed and promised an opportunity to compete for the uh, uh, the rotation, although I'm not sure what he's ever done to have been penciled in there in the big leagues, but he's not going. He's going to start the year on the injured list, not going to be ready. Um. And so, you know, the, the question starts to become, who is going to – who are the Reds going to bring, I guess, uh, east with them? I started to say bring north because I, they don't train in, in Florida anymore. But uh, will Williamson be one? Of, I, here's my guess is Luis Sessa is the number four to start the season. That would be my guess. Yeah, Luis Sessa left the World Baseball Class, left Team Mexico to come back to compete for that spot. because, And that was right before the Luke Weaver news broke that he announced that. So presumably he had some uh, knowledge of that. And I think Williamson probably is, by the time the Reds need a fifth starter, Williamson probably is that guy. But I tell you, I, I, think, I think he's got big talent, but... I think um, it's Overton. Excuse me just a second. Uh, it's getting dark. I'm turning my light on. Good. Um, that was, actually, that was an idea. Did you see that idea come on over my head there? I, I'm going to actually ask. I can see you better now. Could, could you go turn that off again, please? <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, so I think I think it's going to be Brandon Williamson because he has the upside um, and because Overton has looked so bad this spring. I, I would like them to go the way that you're talking. I don't think they will. I think they might go to Anderson, who I, I think I read about today is still in the mix. He is, or, although or, not on the 40-man roster. Yeah, but, you know, there, there, there's not right. like there's not, you know, places to cut on that 40-man. Yeah, there's 10 spots yeah. of dead weight. Yeah, uh, but I, I think it'll be one of the – I don't think they're going to – I don't think they think Williamson's ready yet. 
I think I think he starts the year in Louisville, but I would be I would be surprised if he isn't up here by June first. Yeah, yeah, that that could very well could be what happens. Um, those are the guys that are in the mix essentially. I just maybe we shouldn't. I, I, I'm always saying don't look at spring stats, but you know Connor Overton had four good starts last year, and that was essentially it. I, you know, but the problem is if if he and Chase Anderson are your other options, I think I just assume to see Brandon Williamson get a shot I, because. Uh, those are bad, bad, bad options for the fifth spot. Well, and 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 that fourth and fifth spot may just end up being by the time next week rolls around, it may be last man standing. That's what worries me. You get a guy or two hurt, especially there's so little depth yep. in the pitching staff that we better pray that Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft can can stay healthy. And believe me, I am praying that Hunter Green stays healthy. But um, you end up with Strickland in the starting rotation. Oh gosh! <laughs> I thought we had a strict uh, "do not mention Hunter Strickland" policy on this uh, on this show. Um, so that gets us back to the rest of of Seth's question, which is the outfield situation. I guess a good a time as any to talk about the outfield situation. I think essentially what we have right now, there are two guys that are absolutely going to be in the um, outfield on opening day, okay? And that's going to be Will Myers, and that's going to be um, Jake Fraley. After that, you know, there are some real questions. I think the third primary starter should be um, Will Benson, who the Reds acquired, obviously, from the uh, Guardians in the offseason, a former first-round Pick. I think he's going to make. I think he and TJ Friedel are going to make the the roster in the outfield. I, I think I Benson pro probably going to get the the primary shot at that, just based on his upside at that uh, center field spot. Uh, and then after that, it's again, it's you know, it's guys like Chad Pender. I mean, why well, have they said for sure that Senzel is not going to be on the opening day roster? Yeah, David Bell did say Nick Senzel is not going to be on the opening day roster. Now that said, Senzel appeared yesterday. And he's in, in the starting lineup tonight. In a game. And he's in the starting lineup tonight at third base. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Nick Senzel it will be on the roster at some point. Um, and he is uh, – he's he's worked out at second base before games. He's he played all three outfield positions, essentially. So he can play five, six different positions if he could shortstop. And that may be his only path to uh, really get to play it, uh, much this year at all if he doesn't hit. But, of course, he's hurt again. And so uh, he has to get healthy. The uh, the uh, David Bell said, if Nick Senzel's healthy, he's one of the best players on the field. That was a quote in the Enquirer. Is that from a quote from this year or from that five was, six was, years ago? Within the last couple of days. No, that was like six years ago, right? <laughs> I do I do have a bone to pick with with your brother though about a coach. I, I haven't been on in a while, so I've I'm, I've stored all these things up. Oh, <laughs> your this is the airing of grievances. Yeah, that's right. A while back when you guys were talking about Senzel, Nick, Nick or Nate said that he felt like Senzel had no pressure on him because everybody's kind of given up on him. And I think it's exactly the opposite because this is his last chance. If, if Senzel doesn't yeah. do anything this year, he will not be with this team. He may not be with this team by July 1 if he is in effect. No, that's not true. He'll be here this year unless they unload him to somebody. Right. But – uh, you know, when Nate said that, that, you know, he felt the pressure was off Senzel, I, I felt like it was exactly the opposite. If nothing else, it's compounded. 
a couple things there. Number one, this is the third year that this is Senzel's last chance. This is the right. third consecutive year of that. Uh, the second thing is, I just uh, presume that I'm going to disagree with everything Nate says when he says it, and so I've just lost the the the, the fire to attack him and to counter him every single time he says something uh, uh, completely and utterly insane. So silly. It's just something silly. <laughs> yeah, just completely silly. Um. All right. Uh, <laughs> give me one reason to be optimistic about Kevin Newman and Chad Pender. Joey asks. Yeah, I can't, that's something I can't do. Absolutely not. All right. Next well, question. Mark- why do they say so many? What what is it about Chad Pender that they, they say so many good things? You know, the the manager of Oakland praised him to the, the and the Reds. You know, think the world. He, he's one of those, you know, uh, tools. You know, he fit in. He fits in anywhere. He can play anywhere. He can't play any of them well, but he can right. play anywhere. I, he's a non roster invitee. I don't know why he's even still here. Um, he's going to make this team. Oh if if, Sen, if Senzel is not ready opening day, Pender will be in that spot. No, I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. And that's, well, again, we're talking about the last guy on the bench. So why get too upset about that? But when you're the last guy on a really bad bench, that's not saying much. Um, I think you're right, though. I think he's probably here. You think he's the last guy on the bench? Or do you think somebody like like Molly or Maley or however you pronounce it? Luke Maley? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess it's Maley. I guess. Or, I, I don't know. Like, you know are you 25 or 26? You know, what does it really matter at that point? You're just on the roster at that point. So your mom can be happy. That's collecting collecting that big league paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing and good for him, more power to him. The other thing that I think in terms of the final roster battles, we talk about the back end of that bullpen, but I got, I mean, back into that starting rotation, but this bullpen, um, I'm terrified about this bullpen. I don't even know who I, it's going to be. I have no idea who's going to be in the, end up in that bullpen. It's going to be uh, Alexis Diaz and a cast of thousands. I mean, it literally could be if you know if if somehow Sess is in the bullpen, he's dependable. But uh, Diaz and Alexis the seven dwarves. Yes, there we go. I mean, I don't. Uh, I'm telling you, I, this this could this is the. You know, we can squint our eyes and see the Reds being able to score some runs. You really can. Yeah, that's some guys. You know, Joey Votto has to come back and. Um, you have to have some production from a guy like Will Benson, maybe, and you know, whatever. But you can see it. You can you can rationalize that. Uh, the rotation, well, you know, the four and five spots are going to be rough. But if you got three great starters, you know, you can sort of see how they could keep the Reds competitive. Uh, three out of every five games, and that's that's pretty good. This bullpen, I just I can't see any way, and I hope I'm wrong because you know you never know with these bullpens. Sometimes people will have these crazy good years out of nowhere. But I mean, we're we're looking at um, besides Alexis Diaz. Uh, Buck Farmer's, I think, going to make it. Um, Ian Jabot is going to make it. Um, Reaver San Martin, I think, probably is going to be one of the uh, – I think there'll be two lefties in the bullpen. One will be Reaver San Martin. The other, I think, is going to be uh, Young. Alex Young. Mm-hmm. Alex Young. Um, and he's looked good. I mean, I know it's spring training, but he's looked good. Yeah, no, no. And, and he – you know, he's a guy that when they picked him up, you sort of look at his numbers and be like, oh, that might be somebody that can help. Yeah, absolutely. The, the problem is when – I was being hopeful over the offseason about the bullpen. I was depending on the Reds having a pretty solid trio of Fernando Cruz, um, TJ Antone, and Lucas Sims. Well, more news from this week. Lucas Sims will not be on the uh, open A roster. going to be on the injured list, not going to be ready to start. So, um, And TJ Antone, we've already talked about, not going to be ready. So, And Santiago's not going to be ready. 
and Tony Santillan, another guy. Yeah, I was thinking about guys like Santillan and Ian Jabot being sort of your, your middle guys, middle relief guys. And now all of a sudden, you know, Jabot may be your eighth inning guy. I, it's it's really or, – or young maybe, but – I mean, you got other guys like Joel Kunal, um, Bennett Sousa, who I would love to see make the team, but probably not going to. Cruz. What's going to happen here? What's that? Cruz. Fernando Cruz. Yeah. Fernando Cruz. And then the guy that I think is absolutely 100% going to be on the opening day roster, and it just makes my head hurt, Hunter Strickland is going to make the Reds opening day roster. It was never a doubt. It was never a doubt that he was going to make this team. That's outrageous. I mean, he's a better pitcher than me. I mean, without question, he is a better pitcher. He's a better pitcher than 99.9% of human beings walking on this earth. He is not better. He is not well, anyway, I'm not going to get in here and smash uh, Hunter Green, too, Hunter Strickland too bad. Uh, wrong Hunter. Um, that bullpen could be – we've seen some bad bullpens in recent years. This could be as bad as any of them. Or maybe not. Maybe Ian Jabot, you know, coming off the, his World Baseball Classic where his, the T fell off his uniform, all those great Great Britain uh, uniforms they had. And um, – He's had a decent spring, and he, yeah, he was okay at times last year. One of the wives made those jerseys, I think, in her in her little Etsy shop. Yeah, I don't know. Those are the worst uniforms. Oh, my goodness. That, that's embarrassing. If I were on Great Britain's team, I'd be so embarrassed. You can go to – I think I said it last week on the show, but my son uh, in his on his travel ball teams had a better uniform every year, and sometimes they had two different uniforms or three different uniforms because they're crazy. They look better than the – Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. It's like, it's like when, when Bouton was talking about the uh, Seattle Pilots uniforms when they, they said they wouldn't come out of the dugouts the first time they came they played the Yankees because their uniforms were so ugly. <laughs> right. It was the opposite way. They were so gaudy and right. Yeah, they weren't uh, they weren't plain Jane like yeah. uh, Britain. Great Britain's look like they're made in a Microsoft Paint uh, <laughs> app or something. All right. Uh, next question comes from. James Urban. James says, first, how about that WC finale? Travis Otani for the final out. James, where you been? We already talked about that. Why are, why are you going back to what we already talked about? Try to keep up. Could script? Yeah, come on, James. Keep up! <laughs> to James's credit, he only asked one question this week, so uh, he's back in my good, uh, good graces. Could not have scripted that any better. Incredible. My question this week, who will be the first Reds prospect to get called up from the minors this year? First Reds prospect to get called up from the minors this year. Uh, I think it's going to be Brandon Williamson. Uh, and I already said that he's going to be their fifth starter to start the year, but I'm presuming they won't need a fifth starter for a, a few days, and so I think they'll send him down initially and then bring him back up uh, when it's time for a fifth starter. Uh, so that's my guess. you have any any other thoughts? I don't have a, be- I don't have a better answer, no. I wish you were Ella De La Cruz. Does Spencer Steer count? No, he was he was up last no, year. He was up last year. Still a prospect. He, he, yes. If they said for sure that De La Cruz is starting in Louisville, yet has that decision been made? Uh, he was. Yeah, he was sent to the, the AAA camp. Yeah, but so a lot they, of they've not officially. Yeah, because I remember when Matt was down there. They, in spring training, they generally started a level up and then moved him down because Matt started in AAA camp a lot of years and ended up in the AA camp. And of course, you're talking about friend of the podcast, former Reds farmhand Matt Clinker. Matt Clinker, um, a yeah, it's a possibility. University. What's that? A Furman University. What, was it, what does that mean? What does that mean, Bill? It means he went to Furman. 
means what he went to I'm not saying it. Why would, saying you, he went why would you mention the fur man? Why would you mention that? I, I don't, don't understand. Know. It just came to mind. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, you caused me to lose my train of thought now. Uh, it's possible Elliot De La Cruz will not start at AAA. I think he will. The reason I lean towards AAA is because they did send him there, whereas they sent Noel V. Marte to the AA, essentially AA camp. And, um, but they sent him there because he's going to be playing third base. And so he's going to work on his third. That's where he'll be to start the season. I think we're going to do position. They still, so they still could send Elliot Cruz to AA, but I don't know why you would. I mean, I think I don't see any reason not to start him at, at Louisville and see how he does. Did he, did he finish in AAA last year? I can't, I, I've lost track. Or did he uh, finish in double A? I can't remember. Uh, he, fin- he finished in double A. Okay. And, McC- and, McLean, and, and McLean's also playing shortstop at triple A, right? Or, or, or are they talking about him at second base or third base? Or center field? I don't know. You know, uh, that'd be really interesting to see what they do there. I think probably your best bet if you're going for position players as the first one prospect to be called up, probably Matt McLean. Yeah. I think he's probably the closest. Although you could see a scenario where it's uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand as well, just uh, if they need a first base DH for, for whatever reason. That, that squares the ball up, it seems like, every time he swings oh at that. <laughs> that guy's, you know, I don't know how good he's really going to be. I don't either, but he was but, fun to watch in spring training. Well, and he's evidently done that. You know, he's a, with uh, Minnesota before, and he's one of these guys that you always hear about over the years. He could roll him out of bed at 3 in the morning, and he could put the bat on a ball, you know. Um <laughs> Don't know if he can play anywhere in the field, but if the Reds need a, uh, another bat, I'd see him getting a shot, mm-hmm. certainly based on the way he played this spring. Kyle Kapler, our friend Kyle, did not limit himself to uh, one question, so I'm going to have to uh, ban him from our Slack chat. Kyle asks, which is more import- important going forward for future success for the Reds franchise and why? Here are three options. Most important or more important for future success for Reds franchise and why? Three options are the players, the management, or ownership. Which is going to be the more important going forward? Well, you can make a good argument at all those. Uh, You you can't be, for future success, you can't be successful if you don't have the players. But can you get the players without management uh, or ownership? Uh, I think I probably lean towards management. Having, whatever you think about Crawl, and I'm not directing this at Crawl, but make sure that you have someone there that can, fashion a roster under the limitations that ownership gives you, I think that's the most important thing going forward because I don't think we're going to get an ownership change. I hope I'm wrong. Um, probably well, it wasn't the question, though, whether it had to do with an ownership, which is the most important. Well, the answer is players, I think. If that's if that's the question, players are obviously the most important. You have to have good players. I, I would say for, long, for short-term success, players for long-term success, ownership, because if, if – if, and this is an argument that we've been having for a number of years. If ownership doesn't have a consistent plan, if they jump around like a frog on a frying pan, as this organization has done for you know for philosophy of operating a team, you're never going to be successful. And we've seen that. Yeah, I mean, if you could get a you know I don't know um, Mark Cuban uh, to come in and buy the team, wonderful. You know Jeff Bezos, come buy the team. What a, you know um, somebody like that that'll spend some money and. That's obviously the best way to ensure future success. We just not had a good owner in Cincinnati in, in forever. I did hear a great – I'm going to start beating this drum. I'm going to write a column about this at some point. Uh, one of our friends, Amy, on Twitter, Amy Editress, at Amy Editress, uh, big Reds fan, and uh, she has had this idea that 
David Letterman should buy the team because uh, you know, and you know, um, hopefully he'll be a good owner. He's been he's doing the the Indy car or whatever circuit. He's been a team owner for a while, but if nothing else, he'd be entertaining. And so um, I like uh, I, I like the old David Letterman show. So yeah, maybe be entertaining for guys of my generation, I guess. So. Um, yeah, I guess, I, guess you want I guess Johnny Carson couldn't buy <laughs> for my generation. I guess Johnny Carson couldn't buy the Reds. Huh? No, he's probably out. <laughs> he's probably out. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think you make an argument for all those. Yeah, you, you can, I, and I think you can make an argument between short term and long term. Yeah, right, right. It might be a different. Yeah, it's a different uh, mm-hmm. answer. But it's a good question, and it's sort of you know six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, Kyle also asked Jose Barrero. For Ian Anderson from the Braves, who says no? Remember, prospects and spring training stats do not matter. Well, um, I don't know that either of those guys are prospects anymore. Uh, they have been in the past. And if the question is uh, Ian Anderson of the Braves, obviously, um, a uh, right-handed pitcher who, um, you know, has had uh, um, some success over his career. Um not not a ton. He was really good in uh, short term at, at age 22 for Atlanta in uh, in that 2020 season. But uh, yeah, pretty good actually the, the year after. Uh, not great last year. Um, yeah, Ian Anderson, please give me Ian Anderson. I mean, if you if you could trade Jose Barreau for Ian Anderson, Ian's going to be turned 25 this year and plug him in with those big three. Oh my goodness, it's not even close. And I, I, I'm not sure what the the comment from Kyle about prospects and spring training stats do not matter. Well, spring training stats don't matter. Um, and I don't trust any prospect till they perform, performs, performs on the big league level, but Ian Anderson has performed on the big league level. He's already put up almost four wins above replacement uh, before age 25. So um, yeah, please. Jose Barrero is just, he, he, fit right in, he fit real in real well with those other. Now this is the Ian Anderson on the Braves, not the one that did thick as a brick, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. Jethro Tull, Ian Anderson. Oh my God. Jethro, who did Jethro Tull play for? <laughs> Seattle Pilots. Uh, uh, I, who, I know who Jethro Tull is, but I don't know much about Jethro. Ian Tull. Anderson was the lead singer and flute player in, uh, in Jethro. Tull. Okay, there you go. Not a Jethro Tull fan. I'm mostly uh, listen to nothing but Bruce Springsteen these days. I, I heard you. I heard of it. I heard that. I heard. I heard you were going to go see him on Broadway. Yeah, yo, absolutely can't wait. Yeah. Um, you know, but when I listen to to Bruce Springsteen, I really just listen to one song on repeat. Well, two songs. Uh, obviously, the greatest Bruce Springsteen song of all time, "Glory Days." I listen to that on, uh, I knew on that repeat. Was your I knew. Oh that was yeah, but I also uh, like to listen to "Dancing in the Dark" because I like to do that dance that he does on the video with uh, Courtney. Uh, Courtney Cox, yeah. Courtney Cox, yeah. So, ah, uh, that's more Springsteen than I wanted to discuss today. I, I didn't bring him up. You brought him up. I was talking Jethro Tull. <laughs> you still don't have it told me who he who he played for. Brandon Kamick, this is a this is a question that I'm excited to uh, talk to you about. Okay. Do you cuz cuz we've had an offline conversation a little bit uh, about this. I want to get your take. Brandon says, "Do you expect to see significant differences in contact and stolen bases this year with the new rules?" I'm assuming Will Benson will steal at least 120 bases. Well, yeah, Will Benson's going to steal at least 120 bases. No question. Will Benson is my new favorite player. He just I, I love me some Will Benson. He will still at least 120 bases, probably 150. Um, now, the conversation I want to have with you is about the new rules, but 
to answer that question, do you expect to see significant dif- differences in contact and stolen bases with the new rules? I think you, we will see both of those. Um, and I think when you say significant, it depends on what you mean by significant. But I think noticeable differences. There w- stolen bases will be up because of the larger bases and because of the rules on uh, you know, pitch, uh, throwing over to first base and holding runners on. And also, I think in terms of contact, I don't know how much the shift will have to do with it, with people making more contact, but I do think the pitch clock will have something to do with it because you're going to have these, some of these relievers that have been coming in throwing 103 miles an hour that are not going to be able to throw max effort every pitch because of the pitch clock. So um, that's that's my thought. You can either answer that question or we can get into a larger discussion about the rule changes, Bill, because I know you have some thoughts. Well, I wasn't on board when you and when you and Nate talked about the rules a few weeks ago, and, and you knew how I felt about the clock because we had we had talked about that in other places. But I have to admit that after watching some spring training games, I don't hate the clock. What? And, but let me tell you, I want to I want to hold back you going crazy on this. <laughs> it's easy to lock like the clock right now in games that nobody cares who wins. When we get further along and games start getting decided by either pitches being rushed to the plate or shot or shot clock violations, <laughs> you know, in a big game, especially late in the year, I don't think people are going to be as happy with the shot clock as they are now. Now, it, it is, is, as I said, I, I don't hate it like I thought I would because I really don't, other than the, the, the fact that, at times it feels like it's rushing the game to me. But I do think it's going to make a difference in games that count. And and, and I think that's going to affect how people feel about it. Um, well, let, know, let me let me say a couple of things there about that. And, and, I, and I heard somebody had an idea where, that managers should get two waivers for to wave off shot or pitch clock violations. And they'd save one, of course, for the very end of a ball game, and they could use another in the, in the game. And I think that's kind of a good idea. I, I could probably get I could probably get online with on, on online with that. Uh, but that's interesting. But go ahead on the clock, and then I, I yeah. want to talk about about the base running. Okay. Uh, here's first of all, when when Nate and I had that long conversation, and we were pretty enthusiastic about the uh, the new rules by and large. Uh, you sent uh, some very intemperate comments to us via text uh, the following day, and it just really it it burned my eyes to read the the harsh comments you had for our opinions. Uh, that that may not be pinheads, I think. <laughs> Something like that. But you clearly disagreed. Um, I don't think you're wrong. I think that we can have a conversation about what the proper length of the pitch clock should be. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you if you know if it's if it's five seconds, well, that's w- certainly way too rushed. And if it's you know a minute and a half, that's way too long. So there's clearly there's some play there. There's some optimal point. Are we at that optimal point now? I don't know. And so I'm willing to engage in that conversation. I don't want games to go too fast, but I want them to be moving. I want the same amount of baseball, just in a com- more compressed time. And so I don't disagree with you about um, maybe it's not at the right point or maybe it needs to be, you know, or maybe we should have waivers or something. I'll say this, though. I don't think we will have very many what you call shot – I like that shot clock violations in the regular season. I just think players are going to get used to it. Well, that's what they saw in the minor leagues. Players got used to it, and so you didn't have those violations to decide games. Could be, and, and and but now Major League Baseball is talking about making adjust adjustments. Now you, you run this thing for a year or two in the minor leagues, supposedly to get the bugs out. You run through it all spring training in the big leagues, and now you're going to make adjustments. It once again shows that the management of Major League Baseball doesn't have a clue. 
Well, it makes you wonder. It does make you wonder, no doubt. Um, because you're right. They ran the experiment in the, in the minor leagues. And I think it's been, not universally, but it's been widely praised uh, yes, in the spring. And, uh, and I think it's worked. And again, maybe you can tweak it some. I don't know. But yeah, I don't like this idea of tweaking it on the fly two days before opening day. Right. That's, but that's right. typical of baseball, of course. But I you want to talk about the base running? Yeah, just for just for a minute, because and and we've talked. You and I have talked for years. We we're both big fans of the stolen base. Absolutely, makes the game more fun. I absolutely agree. But I think that the rules that they have instituted are terrible, because you take you make the pitcher and the catcher defenseless. All he's got to do is draw two two throws, and then he can go whenever the hell he wants. Because they're never going to go over there for that third pit for that third pickoff. Well, you can go for the third one, but you, you got to get, get him. That. You got to get him. You got to get. They're never going to do that. You got it. You got. They've taken the balance out of the difference between offense and defense by limiting the number of pitch throwovers that a pitcher can make. And and I and I'm old enough to remember when Joe Morgan used to draw eight, 10, 12 throws to first base, and it had the pitcher all discombobulated out there. And then that benefits the the guy hitting. And you know, you ask the guys that hit behind Morgan whether that helped them. They'll tell you it damn well did. So I, I think that this rule has destroyed the balance between offense and defense, and I don't like it. And I think if they were trying to get bigger, get more stolen bases by by making the bas- bases bigger, that should have been enough. I don't want to turn this into a track meet. I do. I want Willie McGee and I want Vince Coleman. I want those guys back. I don't have a problem with guys that can do it on their own skill, but this isn't just on their skill. This is changing the rules to make it easier for them to do. Actually, it's making it, it's making it almost impossible to throw them out. You know, it's it's funny. I don't know that I agree, but I think it's a valid point um, because I do like stolen bases. But yeah, there again, it's, it's sort of like with the pitch clock. There's a balance somewhere. There's a tipping point where you're giving one side. I don't too think much there should have been advantage. any limit to how many pitches an umpire can throw can throw over. And and yeah, oh, that was the other thing. I'm gonna I want to go back for just to these to these adjustments that are talking about when Major League Baseball. Is took it talking about in their adjustments about what the ball girl, ball boy and the bat boys are doing. That Major League Baseball has lost their mind. And that was well, you have to go Google it. But yeah, they came out with some new uh, tweaks to the rules. Um, among those were we're going to be monitoring what the ball girls and the ball boys and bat boys, bat girls yeah. are doing. If they're not doing their job quickly and efficiently enough, MLB could step in. Yeah. I agree Com- completely. Again, it's MLB just. Clueless, yeah, just absolutely clueless about how that's going to play. When, it'll when it'll be really in. funny when some when some bat boy gives an umpire the finger on national television. <laughs> oh, please! I hope that happens. One, one um, last one last thing on the rules, and that's the ghost runner thing. And I I hate it. I hate I'm it. With you on I, that one. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's not baseball. It's I'll always it's, hate that. It's like you said. It's it's select baseball, so you can get out. You so see, you can get out of the ballpark early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, my I don't. Again, my thing is, I don't mind a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game. I'll sit and watch it. I'll sit and have a, a hot dog and a beer, and I'll be happy um, if they're playing baseball during that three-and-a-half hours. You know, uh, I, I don't want stepping out of the box and pitchers taking all day long. If they're playing baseball and it goes to 14 innings, um, that, and but they're playing, I'm like, that's fun for me. I'll, t- I'll deal with that. And so, yeah, I, that's the one thing that I will never, you know, I think I've had a pretty open mind on the rule changes here. Uh, you know, for an old crotchety guy like me, 
because I because I, I think I think it improves the product on the field, and it doesn't. You know, it may change the game just a tiny bit, but basically gives us, as I said before, more baseball in a little bit of a smaller time frame. I think that's fine, or not more baseball, but the same baseball, just a little compressed. Uh, but the extra inning rule, the ghost runner. Um, Again, as much as I said, I loved it when my son and my daughter played in their uh, travel baseball and softball. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was different then. Uh, after you know, after game seven on a you know, we're at uh, midnight on a Saturday night, and I'm like, gosh, just put. Can we put three runners on in extra innings? I'm ready to go home. And the weather's but, down to and the weather's down to about forty degrees. <laughs> right. Or in, in, you know, at uh, you know four in the afternoon when it's ninety five degrees. You know, I'm like, oh, get us out of here. But yeah, that's that's one that you'll never convince me. But th- those are my things on the rules. And and, and like I said, I, I figured that would shock you that I've kind of turned around a little bit on the clock. <laughs> it but, does. But, but I, I'm curious to see if people that are big fans of it right now are as big of fans when it costs games, important games are decided on pitch clock violations or batter not getting in the box at eight seconds and it gets in at you know, seven seconds. Do you, do you want the seventh game of the World Series decided by that? Only if the Reds are the beneficiaries of it. <laughs> well, that, of course, that goes without saying, right? <laughs> right. No, I th- I'm hopeful that we won't see much of that, if any of it at all, once games get started. But, but, but I'll agree that'd be frustrating. And it's, it's sort of why I, I've I've been very cautious in how I talk about this. I'm in favor of these rules changes by and large. But if you're not in favor of it, I get it. You know, I get it. Don't send me angry texts about it. But uh, if you want to tweet that you that you don't think that this is baseball, I get it because you know. Um, we love baseball for because because it doesn't have a clock, really. Um, and so, yeah, I can see why you wouldn't like that, but uh, I don't look at this as the pitch clock especially. I don't look at this like putting a clock on the game because you still don't have a clock. You still got to get 27 outs, and that may take, you know, that may take uh, 10 hours. It may take three weeks like cricket. Uh, but uh, anyway, but uh, again, your mileage may vary. I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, though. I, as much as, you know, I've come around a little bit on some of these and still am adamantly against the other. I, I don't think – I do think the base running thing changes the game. And I, and, I don't, and I don't like the way it's changed it. The clock I don't think does as much as the fact that, uh, as I said, I'm concerned that if it starts deciding games, especially as we get later in the year and it's important games, I think that then it then it changes the it doesn't change the game itself, but it changes the way the games are decided. Maybe, maybe we'll um, see. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing. I really am. Yeah. Next question comes from Eric at EP Redlegs at EP Redlegs on the Twitters. Can you help us understand the contract effects of bringing guys up and starting the clock on their deals with the team? When can Ellie De La Cruz be with the Reds and it not count as a year of service? I think they've changed the rules since Chris Bryant in Chicago. Now, um, I, I'm going to try to explain the service time rules as quickly as I can, as succinctly as I can. And if I screw it up, somebody I'm sure will yell at me uh, either in the comments on YouTube or you know, on uh, um, Twitter or uh, you know, send me you know, hateful texts. One, well, feel free to, to yell at me. That's fine. And it won't, and it won't be me. <laughs> it won't be you this time. But before I do that, I'll say this. I don't think service time questions are going to come into play at least I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with any of these guys. And the reason why are Hunter Green and Nicola Dolo. Um, the Reds in recent times have not shown a, a propensity since the, the the PR nightmare of Nixon Zell. And of course, again, in retrospect, who knows? I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to relitigate that one. But um, 
I don't think Ellie De La Cruz, if he is ready, I don't think he'll be held back for some uh, artificial service time reasons. Um, same with McLean or any of these other guys. I think if they're ready, they need good players in Cincinnati and they need the PR boost that Ellie De La Cruz can give them. So I don't think that'd be a problem. The way that I understand the service time works is players essentially receive uh, service time. Every day they spend on the active roster uh, of a team. Or I guess if you're on the uh, the major league, in, if you get injured in the major leagues and you're on the, the, the MLB injured list, not the minor league injured list, you get a, a day of service time for every day that you're on that roster. And um, these dates are just used to determine when um, players are going to be eligible for arbitration and then later on when they're eligible for free agency. So um, each big league regular season right now consists of 187 days. And I think that's one thing that changed. Uh, it was typically before the, uh, back in the Chris Bryant, when it was a big thing with Chris Bryant, it was a, it was a different number, a little bit less. Um, so each day gets one day of service time. Um, and once you reach one year of service time, uh, and that right now, it, 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 when you accrue 172 days now, that's one year of major league service time. So the way I look at that is if you wanted to play service time games, you got to basically keep them down for 16 days during the season. So not long. Um, and you still have these things about six years of major league service to be eligible. So you could delay that some. Um, they still could become arbitration eligible depending on how, how good they are if they're a super two player that I'm not going to get into. But um, it's it's watered down a little bit, and frankly, I just don't uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue going forward. I, I also think it's not going to be an issue too because you're already running the service time on Steele, Lodolo, and uh, Ashcraft, and, and so keeping the rest of these guys in the minor leagues when you're burning time on the, on the three guys that are your foundation doesn't make any sense anyway. No, no. I, I really, uh, believe me, I understand more than anyone, uh, Eric, your uh, questions about this because I've railed on this particular podcast many, many times about this nonsense, but I just, I, it's not something I'm concerned about anymore. All right, next question comes from at Chris Brock 57. That's at Chris Brock 57. I, I'm going to tell you what his screen name is here, but I disagree with it completely. Nikola Jokic is a basketball god. Let me just tell you something. Joel Embiid's the best player in basketball. Joel Embiid is the best player in professional basketball. He's not the best player in college basketball. But this question, according to BetMGM, according to BetMGM, L.A. De La Cruz is plus 1,500. Spencer Steer is plus 1,800. And Christian Encarnacion Strand is plus 6,000 for National League Rookie of the Year. Is it worth it to throw a few bucks down on one or all of them? Uh, I know you're a betting man, Bill Lack. What do you think? I'd throw, I'd throw five on all three of them and say, what the hell? I think if I'm going to throw five down, I would probably actually throw 10 or 15 down on Steer. I think Spencer Steer is... I, I'm not predicting he's going to win the Rookie of the Year. Of those three, I think he's the best has the best chance. And I think he could legitimately be in the mix for it because he's going to get the playing time in the big leagues from the beginning of the season. We don't know about De La Cruz. And, right, uh, right. In, in Christ to Strand. So, uh, Sears going to have every opportunity. Well, and, and you know, the the, 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 the uh, projections all have him as being one of, if not the best hitter on this team. Right. You know, so who knows? But, you know, if, if, if you're going to take a long shot bet, 
bet on all three of them. Cover your yeah. cover the field, you know. There you go. Then there throw, you, go. you know throw five down on the Reds to win the World Series. That'll make you some money. Yeah. Oh, good. I would one, say if that one hit, you could retire. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, next question comes from Red Reporter. That's at Red Reporter on Twitter. Our friends from RedReporter.com. You know those guys. Yeah, good guys. Um, uh, and by the way, just, you know, again, not that we're here to promote other podcasts, but they just kind of rebranded their podcast called Walks Will Haunt. Go listen to it. It's always a good. Wick Terrell McCrew over there. Um, BK, they do a great job with that. If Ellie De La Cruz raced a cheetah in a 100-yard dash, would the cheetah need a five-second head start or a seven-second head start? I love the question. He would need Billy Bates to wrestle L.A. De La Cruz <laughs> at the five-yard mark. I want to see – obviously, it's a seven-second head start, but I want to see Billy Bates come back and, and race against Joey Votto. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Billy Bates has got to be, what, uh, 50-some years old this Are point. we going to have Billy Bates race, race against Chris Collinsworth? Oh, there we go. Chris raced a racehorse one time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, uh, Billy Bates. I've got a T-shirt around here somewhere. Um that's uh, Billy Bates versus the Cheetah. It's, I need to <laughs> dig that out and wear it on one of these shows one of these nights. Uh, good question. Next question comes from Sydney Price. Is you, Billy Bates the most obscure Red ever that actually had an important point, a point position in Red's history? I, without question. I, I, I mean, he never played again after scoring the winning run in Game 2 of the 19 World Series. He never put on a Red's uniform again. Well, I guess he did in spring training, but... Um, just uh, well, he didn't put on the uniform the next two nights uh, in that World Series, but what a great story! I love it. Sydney Price at Transcency Fan, will I regret being a season ticket holder? Oh, and Sydney went with two questions. That's heavily frowned upon here in this space, Sydney. Will I regret being a season ticket holder? And can this team have a player hit twenty home runs? Uh, can this team have a player hit 20? Absolutely. I think uh, Joey Votto's going to hit 20. Will Benson's going to hit 20. Jake Fredley's going to hit 20. Uh, Jose Barrero's going to hit 20. Tyler Stevens is going to hit 20. Will Myers. Uh, uh, Will Myers is going to hit 20. Uh, and Spencer Steer. They're all going to hit uh, at least 20. Myers may hit 20 and only maybe 15 here. The other five may be somewhere else. But <laughs> That's right, but whatever. <laughs> He'll hit 20. The other question, will I regret being a season ticket holder? And two, th- two points I want to make here about that. Number one, um, you will not regret being a season ticket holder because it's fun to go hang out at the ball yard. I mean, the baseball is going to be bad probably most of the time, but I've never had a bad time at the ballpark. So, so no, um, that's my answer. The other part is, uh, did you see Bill, as we're talking about this opening day is not sold out yet. What do you think about that? I actually looked to see where I, I, I and there's, cause there's been a lot of talk about this. I looked where the seats are available and they're way up down in the ends and the corners. And I mean, so there aren't a whole lot of seats left, but yeah, I did see that. And and the and whether you would whether you're going to regret having season tickets, I would say no because there's really good players on all the other teams too. Right. I, I may want to go see San Diego play because that's my new favorite team. Yeah, they're uh, they're amazing. Uh, I will get my Padres cap here in a moment. Um, yeah, they're fun to watch. That's the thing you get to see all the other stars around baseball, um, and and you get to see Joey Votto in what may be his final season. Enjoy it. And again, you have Tyler Stevenson, you have Jonathan India, you know, Hunter Green. No, you will not regret. Some days it's going to be ugly. You're going to have those days when, uh, you know, uh, Chase Anderson's your starting pitcher, and then he's going to be relieved by uh, Hunter Strickland. In the third inning. Oh, right. And, and, and yeah, those days are not going to be fun. And, and but, there may be a lot of days when you want to leave at like in the seventh, sixth and seventh inning. <laughs> so yeah. you don't go across the bullpen. Yeah. 
<laughs> go over to go over to the, the, the Holy Grail and just uh, you know wait it out there. But um, no, absolutely not. And and about opening day, you know, I, I'd laugh a little bit about what Phil Castellini's done, his PowerPoint, Man. you know, um, causing the Reds not to sell out opening day. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to go to open, I'm have my little uh, boycott thing that I'm still doing. But if you want to go to opening day, listen, I've been to probably ten, and it is a blast every single. I've been in the snow. I've been in you know a great weather, and it has been fun every single time. So go have fun, enjoy it. Opening day is still it's not what it used to be because of what the Castellines have done, but it's still a fun time, still a special day. There's there's no day. I've I've never been to a you know opening day anywhere else but here. But as you said, I've never been to a bad opening day. I've been to days yeah. that they played bad, but I it's and I've been to days where I froze my butt off. Uh, I was down there one time and hadn't been for that flask of schnapps i don't think we'd have made it through but <laughs> that was against it, the expos i remember that game uh and sydney you may want to take a you may want to take a flask with you on some of these days yeah you may need to get through flask on some of those days the only thing is now you got to go through a metal detector so you got to have a uh, you have true. to have a plastic flask uh, some of some of us own a plastic flask or two. okay <laughs> I, i've got a fake leg that i <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've got an exclusive picture of Phil Castellini at last year's opening day before you go further. This is Phil Castellini at last year's opening day. If you're not on YouTube, you can't see him saying, get in, loser, we're cutting payroll. My favorite meme ever. Um, anyway, anything else you want to say about opening day? I feel like I cut you off there. No, but it, it, like you said, there's no such thing as a bad opening day. Uh, you know, I've been down there in the rain. Like you said, I've been in the rain and the snow, the cold. I've been down there when it's when I left the house, it was 40 degrees and it was 75 by the time we get down there and you're, you're peeling layers and, and, but it's always a good time. And, and it's, it's a different feeling on opening day than it is any other day. You also see more people down there that aren't really baseball fans than you do any other day too, but it's true. Fun. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not going to see the hardcore guys that are usually uh, yeah. uh, not just guys, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, the hardcore fans, but you know, uh, it's a different crowd, but man, it's just a blast. And I think always think back to the year that uh, you know, Adam Dunn had a couple of home runs and Joe Randy hit the walk-off. And I'm like, this is heaven to me. This is baseball heaven, this beautiful park, which I still love, Great American Ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, you'll, you'll have a good time. Absolutely. All right, next uh, question is this. Comes from Joe Farsing. Jimmy Haynes was no Scott Feldman. Could you try again? Discuss. As Siri yells at me on my, uh, I don't know if you all heard that. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Haynes. That's what that no... Siri was saying. Did, did Jimmy Haynes try again? That's what Siri just That's said. Right. Oh, <laughs> um, man. Only Joe. We're, ta- we're talking optimistically about a lot of things here. The big three starters. And you got to bring Jimmy Haynes. I, I know why Joe that. said this. Because Joe saw in the Enquirer, they listed like the opening day starters for like 15 years in a row in the in Cincinnati.com. And it was, you know, Anderson and oh. Haynes and Feldman and other names that that don't immediately come to mind. I have a uh, – it's no longer on my office wall, but it was on my last wall. I just haven't put it back up yet in my new office. But um, I, I had a, a panoramic photo of Great American Ballpark, first pitch at Great American Ballpark. And right in the center on the mound is Jimmy Haynes. So I've had Jimmy a picture of Jimmy Haynes on my office wall for 15 years now. So, so he, I'm going with Jimmy Haynes. You know what you should do? You should, like, cut out Hunter Green. And then <laughs> place him over time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hooper Powell asks, besides you, of course, Chad, were there any celebrities at your brother's wedding? Uh, well, uh, I'm clearly a celebrity. Um, no, 
the only well, there was a, a former UVA football player that was there. Um, who I'm not going to mention, but uh, I don't know if there are any celebrities. Uh, although the way one of my other brothers danced, uh, he could be a celebrity very, very soon. He is a a fine dancer. It was not me. Um, I'm not much of a dancer, but then again, I'm not much of anything. We're gonna so. we're gonna see him on ABC's. Uh... You think you can dance or one of those shows here shortly? Sure. Why not? Sure. Why not? Um, last question comes from at Reds GM at Reds GM. Do you think Scott Hatterberg is a good player? Now, if you know what that's referring to, you win. If you don't know what that's referring to, how are you still listening to the show? Because you're clearly disloyal to the greatest player in Reds history. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any more about that question. So I'm not even going to answer the question because obviously Scott Hatterberg's a good player. Um, all right, Bill, I think that's about a, a good place to, to stick a pin into it. What do you think? I think we've beat this to death. I think we have. <laughs> a couple of things that I want to note before we get out of here. First of all, I mentioned Ryan LaVarnway earlier. Ryan LaVarnway announced his retirement from big league baseball after, uh, you know, uh, 10 years, he played parts of 10 different seasons in the big leagues, but only played 165 total games. We will always remember Ryan LaVarnway for that glorious day in July of 2019 when uh, he just, uh, his first game for the Reds on July 19, he was three for four with a walk, two home runs, a double, six runs batted in. Ryan LaVarnway, greatest catcher in Reds history. Enjoy your retirement, pal. Yeah, and of his 19 plate appearances for the Reds, amazing, just amazing. His first, his first five were pretty, pretty good. Um, went downhill uh, after that. It went a little downhill, but that's all right. He he did. He had a game in the big leagues that most people would dream of having. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know, uh, you know uh, sort of a, uh, a somewhat uh, not really a friend of the family, but uh, uh, the son of of a, a friend of mine. Um, Made a uh, got to play in the NBA, you know, one game, and he made a shot. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> he scored in the he scored in the NBA. I mean, you know, and he may get another chance uh, at some point. I, I hope he does. Um, I'm not going to mention his name here, but if you ask me offline, I'll tell you who it is because uh, I think he does have a chance. That he's had some recent heroics that might get him back in the conversation. But um, that's what I said about Ryan Lavarmi, dude. You played in parts of ten different seasons. You barely played, but you were on the roster of a big league team for a decade off and on dude enjoy it man that's a career that m most people would like to have and you know what he's got a hell of a pension for a for a minus 1.2 career wins above replacement that's right <laughs> rock on ryan lavarnway the last thing i'll mention here is i don't know if you saw it yet bill but um i don't want to go too deep into it but I, I i had to write about this this week uh, and it's at my newsletter. Go to chaddotson.com uh, for the newsletter. You can subscribe. It's free. And, or don't. Whatever. It's garbage. But um, I found this little story that I had never heard before about Davey Johnson, Reds manager Davey Johnson. I hadn't heard of Reds either. owner, Mark Schott. And it was just – I was like, wait, how have I never heard of this story? So I'm not going to say anything more about it. We can talk about Davey Johnson and Mark Schott uh, all day long. But uh, I thought it was a pretty cool story, Bill. So I, want, I need you to validate me. It, I, I, I had never heard the story either, and I really enjoyed the article. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Bill. Finally, I forgive you for your hateful texts in the wake of a recent podcast. <laughs> All right. This has been The Riverfront, episode number 471. I would uh, encourage you, please, let's do our other shows around The Riverfront. Joe Farsing and crew, uh, he had Chris Garber on recently. Um, 
longtime friend of this show, and uh, he does the the Cincinnati uh, or the uh, Riverfront Bengal show. Great stuff. Free agency, draft coming up, all that. Uh, Going to be a fun offseason uh, around the Bengals. I will say this, um, Bill, I'm glad to have you back on. I tried to get kind of a reunion this week of all of, of, of the old crew. I tried to invite uh, Chris Garber and Jason Lynn. I was going to have all of us on here talking. and, and uh, but when, they found out, when they found out I was coming on, they found yeah. something else to do. That's what they told me privately. I wasn't gonna. I, I wasn't gonna say that. I get that all the. I get that all the time. It doesn't even hurt my feelings anymore. We'll get the old crew together at uh, at some point. Um, I would encourage you also Sunday nights at here at the Riverfront late night Reds talk. Okay, we go live on Sunday nights. Uh, I'm gonna try to join the crew this uh, this Sunday. Uh, John Sadak, Reds broadcaster. John Sadak was on last week. Always a fun time. It's a little bit of a different vibe. You got you know some interaction with people that are watching it live and answering questions live and. It's a really fun format, and um, I encourage you to listen to that Sunday night, 7 o'clock, or it's in our podcast feeds as well on both YouTube and any, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Sensi, at Riverfront Sensi on all those uh, platforms. And, and finally, a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. Um, the show would literally not be possible without support of the, fa- the family there. So uh, come join us. Click the link in the height in the show notes or patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Bill, this was fun, man. Always fun. I always enjoy being here, Chad. Yeah, love love talking Reds with you. And uh, I, this is when hope is at its highest. The Reds have are undefeated. Undefeated. Can't win them all if you don't win the first one. Bingo. And the Reds uh, this time next week are going to begin that march towards an unexpected division championship. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krinchicki and Eli Cash for Bill Lack and Ryan LaVarnway. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.